The search for the right answers in an answer-filled world can be both difficult and destructive if you come up with the wrong answers. Just how does one know if what they believe is correct? It is deeper than just what is correct for you. Who has the final say? Who is correct? Join us at Jackson First Baptist Church as we find God's answers for the mess in the world. Take your Bible and turn with me, if you would please, to the book of Romans and turn with me to chapter number 1. We'll get in chapter 9 in a moment. Romans chapter 1 together. Uh, let me make this honest confession. Here it is. This world is a mess and I don't like it. Anybody else? This world is a mess and I don't like it. Let me make this also this other confession. Sometimes I, I don't keep my focus on the right thing. Anybody else? Sometimes I lose sight of the main thing. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the, to the Roman church, here's what he believed. Look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and isn't this good news, and also to the Greek. That's us. For in it, that is the gospel, the rightness or the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written... The righteous shall live by faith. If ever there is a word that is needed in this messed up world, it is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul set out, if you remember as we studied, we began a series back last fall called The Search. We wrote a book together about it and we went through the study, the first eight chapters. Paul, Paul wrote Romans because he wanted us to know that the world is in a mess. Look with me in chapter 1 and verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed, or it's coming down from heaven, what against? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Paul says that we live in an age, which is the, the age of the fall, where that men are born and they're ungodly. They live as if God does not exist. They are unrighteous. Their deeds are without the Lord. And listen to me, if you don't have the right perspective... You will find yourself entering into that mess and trying to find earthly solutions for heavenly problems. Now listen to me. There are some things that a mask or not a mask will not answer. There are circumstances that a political party cannot answer, and these are the issues of our day. Paul proved to us, chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through chapter 3. If you'll be turning to chapter 3, these words in chapter 3, he summarizes for the Jew and the Gentile these words. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are in a mess. And Brother Daniel, let me be honest, sometimes I add to the mess. Anyone else? Sometimes I'm not a part of the solution. Sometimes I'm fueling the flame. Now, we know that Christ is the answer. Look in verse 24. We are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a payment by His blood to be received by faith. This is to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He passed over former sins. Why? It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be, for us He might become the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Paul said to us that the gospel is the answer for the mess that's in the world. He set before us in chapter 4 the example, remember, of this guy by the name of Abraham. Do you all know that name? 
For the last eight weeks, we've studied, right, a series called Hypothetical Faith, where that Abraham did not have hypothetical faith. He had actual faith, and that faith changed his life. He believed in God. Paul said that's the way we all are saved, through faith. And when we come to faith, we are justified so that we would have peace with God. But not only peace with God, a place before God to pray. But not only a peace and a place before God to pray, but also a purpose in your life that no matter what you face, you don't lose perspective. Paul says now that you are in Christ in chapter 6, you, you're no longer obligation to live in the flesh. I, I don't respond the way that the media does. I don't respond the way that the lost person does on social media. I don't respond the way that an unrighteous or an ungodly person responds. Is that true of you? I believe for most of you it is. But maybe today we need to regain perspective because we come to chapter 7 of the book of Romans. If you remember, Paul contrasts the law versus grace. He said some people are saying you've got to do it by the law, but it is God who fulfilled the law, and grace changes how you look at the law. And then you come into chapter 8 where Paul says this, that none of this happens. None of this happens apart from the Spirit of God. But once the Spirit of God is that freeing in your life, then you begin to understand something. It's the title of our message this week and next week, The Mission of God. Do you know that God has a mission for us in these days? This mission so affected the Apostle Paul, if you go with me to chapter 9, that, that it changed his perspective. It changed him from a person that may have prioritized one thing, but now he prioritized another. So, so I ask you, what are your priorities? Listen to what Paul writes here in chapter 9 and verse 1. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. Apparently, some people were accusing him of insincerity. Here's what he said. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I have unceasing anguish in my heart for a hundred plus kids whose parents or guardians said, will you take care of my kid after school? I have unceasing anguish and sorrow in my heart for a government that every day sponsors abortions, not only in America now, but around the world. I have unceasing anguish in my heart for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in America that lost her perspective because she was doing her best just to stay afloat instead of staying under the anointing of God. Some people say, now preacher, Romans 9 is a divisive chapter in the Bible. I take issue if you say that. Because in Romans chapter 9, it is the most unifying chapter in all the Bible who understand God and understand themselves. You say, Pastor, what, what do you mean? Well, look back with me in chapter 8. Paul, in chapter number 8, in verse 28, puts this before us. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what? Do you believe that today? It's perspective. Now, notice this. For those, he says here in the text, work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Purpose, God's purpose. Verse 29, for those whom He foreknew, He also, uh-oh, uh-oh, He predestined. To be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. Now look up this way. What in the world was Paul saying? Paul was saying this, when God starts something, He finishes it. 
You say, wait a minute now, that's not what that's saying at all. Well, uh, you believe what you want to believe, and I'll just believe the Bible. Paul says that what God starts, God finishes. The mission of God is something that is successful. And it's successful not maybe for the reasons that you have been taught that it is successful. It's successful because God is, look up this way, and look online this way, He's sovereign. God is a sovereign God. That means He's in charge of everything, but at the same time, you and I have free will. You say, now, what? Stay with me. This is the most difficult chapter in the Bible, but it's not dividing if you understand God and you understand who you are. You say, preacher, why are we starting here? Well, if you, in your notes, it's not on, on, on the screen, but look in your notes. Here's a definition of predestination. Predestination refers to God's choice of individuals for eternal life or eternal death. Election is the selection of some, some for eternal life. That is the positive side. Of predestination. You say, preacher, what in the world are you laying on us today? I'm just preaching the Word of God. We've come here, and so we've, we've got to read here. When we come to chapter 10, it's going to almost look like Paul's on the other side of the paradigm, but he's not. If you read the book that we wrote on the search continues, I hope you get a copy of that. We, we quoted from, from uh, uh, Pastor J.D. Greer who said this, in those passages that, that look like he's teaching Calvinism, I might look like a Calvinism because I'm going to preach that. In those passages, it looked like he's an Armenian, Brother Bobby. I'm going to look like an Armenian. I'm just going to preach the Bible. Because I'm going to tell you today, there are things I don't understand. Anybody else? There are things that I don't understand. But what I do understand is the mission of God. And the mission of God is going to do the following for us. Number one, it's going to transform our minds. Write that down. It will transform your minds. God is going to transform you more and more. Now listen to this. Confidence in his sovereignty and in God's letting us choose. God's not only going to transform your mind, number two, he's going, to, he's going to, listen to this, He's going to stretch your mind. You and I need to be stretched to realize that God is bigger than your problem. That God is able to do what you cannot do. And when you don't have a clue of what your next move is, God is already planned far beyond into your future. God, listen to this, will stretch you, but thirdly, God's going to center your mind. Write it down. God's going to center your mind, and God's going to center my mind for the mission. There is a mission that we have. This fall, as we launch into this new series, the search continues, we're going to be faced with some decisions. And those decisions are simply this. Are we going to keep the main thing the main thing, or are we going to get caught up in the rat race of the mess of the world? Listen, from where I sit in my seat, and where our deacons sit in their seat together, we have committed to this. We're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. We will not be closing the church. We will not be stopping. But if you want to wear a mask, and, you, and listen, so if you need to do that, well, wear a mask. For those who don't wear a mask, they don't need to wear a mask. For those who are going to take the vaccine, take it. Those who are not going to take it, don't take it. That is your choice. But understand something, God has a sovereign mission for us. And we as a church are about that sovereign mission today. And we're going to see that together. We're going to join with Paul, and we're going to join with God, and we're going to say that they knew something was going on in the world, and they did something about it. Two things I laid before your heart. Number one is this. Let's look at Paul. Paul desired, now watch this. Paul desired for his people to be saved. That's ethnic Israel, and he did something about it. So instead of this week, 
writing what you may have wrote or spoke what you wrote about the mess, what did you put out there as the answer for the mess? You say, wait a minute now. Paul in Romans 9 is anticipating, we believe, under the anointing of the Spirit that the Jewish people are going to say, well, you say the gospel is the answer, but why aren't your friends and neighbors saved? And so he's going to present to them, first of all, his heart, his mind, and then his very life to them. So look at, the, look at his heart. Write this up. Paul's heart had been changed. The love of God was in his heart. Now, now notice what he said there in the text. He said, I'm, I'm speaking the truth. Later on in Paul's life, listen to me, Paul would say this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10. He said this, I suffer all things for the sake of the elect. Back in verse 19, he said, I'm in chains, but the gospel cannot be changed. Now, if your heart is right, no matter the pandemic or the problem you face, you'll plow on through in the power of God because he's sovereign, and in his sovereignty, he lends his power to his plan. Did you hear what I just said? He lends his power to his plan. So if your plan is to hide, if your plan is just to get by, God is not for that. If your plan is to be distracted and to build your kingdom, God is not going to be for He may in his mercy and his grace let you continue in your kingdom. Israel continued a long time. But there will be a moment of no return when that according to Jesus' own illustration in Matthew 7, when you've built your house so long on the sand, eventually it's going to fall. But if your heart is right, you won't be perfect. But if your heart is right, you will be about the mission. Our mission is this, that if we have to be in chains, we're going to preach the gospel. Our heart is right. The last Sunday of October, the last Sunday of October is, by the way, strangely, October 31st. On October 31st, rain or shine, we're going to move this entire campus away from here, not the facilities, but us. We're going out to the park to have church in the park. On the 31st of October. You say, well, what's the world going to look like? I don't know. But I'm going with the right heart, and you're going with the right heart to preach the gospel. And strangely enough, that day we will be in Romans 14 where Paul talks about essentials versus not essentials. What a thing to talk to lost people about. Your heart's got to be right. Secondly, Paul's mind had been changed. His mind had been changed. Now think about this. The love of people filled his prayer life. I don't know if you can get this or not, but when I read this, this was amazing to me. He said, I have great sorrow. The King James Version of the Bible, heaviness. Is your heart heavy for 446 or 448 people who died yesterday, and many of them died lost? Is your heart heavy today for the main things or is your heart heavy for the non-essential things? This fall, if you have God's sovereignty in your heart and your purpose in the mission of God, you will find yourself having anguish and sorrow for a lost and dying world. In the middle of COVID-19, in my personal journal, I wrote these words, Lord, the world seems darker than it's ever been. And for some reason in our cities, the gospel is growing dim. Could it be that the love of self-preservation has pushed aside the love of the souls of people? Could it be that the love for getting back to normal has replaced the love of getting people to Jesus? The truth is, in many ways, our love has grown cold. 
God, I need to be reminded of what you say. I don't want people to go to hell. This city does not need a fancy church with more programs. This city needs churches on fire in love with God and in love with people. And can I tell you, I serve a church who is on fire for the Lord right now and in love with people, and I thank you for that. And I thank you for your support, but I'm going to tell you, we have to, that our hearts must always be right. And every day you need to clean up your heart when you get mad, when you are inconvenienced. Friend, listen to me. I will never be in hell. I am going to be given heaven by God. So I am never inconvenienced. And if we suffer a little bit, if the internet is gone, friend, if we get sick, and even if we die, what is the alternative for death? The alternative is heaven. And so some of you are wasting your life. Your heart is wrong. Your mind is wrong. You you only have one opportunity with some people. And as I wrote in the introduction of the very book, on The Search Continues, I said this, when you're in a cave with a thousand people and you have the only flashlight, you become the center of attention. And I see lost people all the time who are looking for a kind smile. They're looking for someone to say something nice to them. You want to know why this next service will be full and sometimes this service is full? Because you're doing that. Paul had the right heart, but listen, Paul also this, Paul's life had been changed. Paul's life had been changed. The the mission of God now consumed him. You know what he said, Brother Danny? I've never said this. God, I'd be willing to go to hell if that meant they'd be saved. There's no doubt in my mind that there's probably some mother in here who'd be willing to do that if that'd get their child to Jesus. Paul said, if I I have to to die, Lord, if that would mean that they'd get to heaven, I'm willing. Now, Paul knew there's one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. But his heart was right, and his mind was right, and he was consumed. So let me say this to you today. For those of you that think that you have it all figured out, friend, I want to tell you, you may not have it all figured out. Your opinions are not always correct. Neither are mine. That's why that some of you that know me close enough, you may notice that the older I get, the less that I speak to the non-essentials. Because the more and more I realize this, Brother Don, some things are not important. And some useless debates I don't enter into. Someone recently said to me, why didn't you just get involved in, in this online thing, whatever the particular thing was? I said, because, listen to me, there were enough ignorant people speaking, they didn't need one more. So we have, you know what we've done for two years? Day in and day out, preach the gospel. Day in, day out, loved on people and cared for people where they were in prayerful belief that the gospel changes lives. And so I say this to you today in love. You are in a church that's going through because we have a mission. You say, why do you have a mission? The second thing, think about what God did. Write this down, that that God desires for all people to be saved, and he did something about it. You believe that? You say, preacher, this is deep water stuff. Well, I'm just kind of hitting the top. Next week, we'll really get into it. Look in verse number four. Here's what Paul said. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption. Write this down. God gave the Jewish people the good news first. Paul anticipates that the the Jewish people are saying that that we didn't have a chance. He he puts before eight advantages that they had. 
Eight advantages they had. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption. They're God's children. The glory, that's God's visible presence. They had the covenant. They, they began with Abraham. They had the giving of the law. They were proved, it was proved that men could, could not save themselves in the law. They had the worship. They had God's temple where they could meet with Him. They had the promises. God said, I'm going to send to you a Messiah. To them belong the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. Now watch this. And from their race, According to the flesh is the Christ, that's anointed Messiah, who is God over all, blessed forever. In just a few months, Lloyd Hutchison will be taking me out for my Christmas meal. Y'all do that about every year, don't you? It's our Christmas present from them. Why? And Christmas will celebrate the coming of the Messiah. But have you forgotten this? Write this down. God made a way for people to be saved. What is that way? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, 446 or 448 people, need the Lord. So tomorrow in your business, if you'll pray, God, use my business for the Lord. God, use my job for the Lord. God, use my, my, my journey to, to Lynchburg for the Lord. God, use my retirement for the Lord. Lord, use my, our sickness for you. God says, I'm for that. So Keith, how do you know that? Because of what he did. Write this down. God saves all who evidence genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? See, these people were pushing back on Paul, and Paul anticipates it. Here's what he says, but it is not as though the Word of God has failed. Now watch this. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. See, Paul was saying that, that every time a descendant of Abraham believed in Jesus who was coming, they got saved. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I've never met anybody who genuinely surrendered laying their life to Jesus Christ who did not get saved. But I want to tell you, there are many people who debate useless things go out into eternity lost. Write this down. God is the sole source of a person's salvation. Now watch what the Bible says. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, verse 7. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Now this is hard to understand. Remember that, that Isaac, Isaac had a brother by the name of Ishmael. Verse 8, this means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of the God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. He's talking nationally and he says not everybody born as a Jew is going to get to heaven because they're a Jew. Those who believe in Jesus. So, so Isaac believed in the Messiah. There's coming after that. Now notice what the text goes on to say, verse 9. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year, I will return and Sarah shall have a son. Remember that in Genesis 18? We read it three weeks ago. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that the purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told. Hmm, this is about to get heavy in the room. She was told in the text. The older will serve the younger. That's from Genesis 25. Look at verse 13. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Whoa. Jacob, I love. 
But Esau have I hated. Let me say this right now. Send all your emails to someone else. Because I do not have time to waste my days being told doctrinal things that you are smarter than I am that you want me to. Now, if you just want to give me a lecture, send that. I'll read it, but I won't respond. If you're a hyper-Calvinist or a hyper-Arminian in the room, I'll receive your emails, but I don't have time because I have a mission that I'm a part of. And this church does not have time to spend our time there. We're going to go in the sovereignty of God. And listen to know that we don't know who gets saved, but God does. Now, now think about this. God is the sole source of a person's salvation. You cannot get around it that it was Ishmael and Isaac, but God chose, now listen, it's unconditionally Isaac. Why didn't he choose Ishmael? You can't get around it. The unconditional choice of God that he chose, and listen, not Esau, but he chose Jacob. Spurgeon was asked by a lady in his church, he said, Spurgeon, can I speak? He said, sure. She said, I want you to know I am struggling in Romans 9. He said, so am I. She said, I'm struggling because I can't believe like God hated Esau. Spurgeon said, that's not my issue. My issue is this, that I can't understand why God would love Jacob. Jacob was a scoundrel. Jacob was as wicked as was Esau. But God had a purpose. And in his purpose, he reached out to Jacob where Jacob was and changed his mind, opened his heart, and redeemed him. He loved Jacob. Predestination. God chooses who he will. You say, but a preacher, I knew it. It's God's fault that people go to hell. Not so. It's God's fault that my one child did not go the way the other three. I had four kids, someone said once, and, and pastor, three of them followed the Lord, but the fourth one just didn't. They were, they, they were in the same household and got the same word and the same upbringing, but one of them went the other way, and it's God's fault. No, ma'am. The word hate, if you, if you looked it up and took time to, to look up the word in the, in the Bible, it has two different meanings. One means this, it is the emotional displeasure of someone. I hate peace. I'm sorry. I used to like them and I got sick when I was a kid. And so I, I hate them. I have an emotional displeasure. If, I, if, I, if someone brings them to me in my wrath, I will give them to someone else. That's not the hate that's in this text. The other hate is this. It's a righteous, hate, righteous hatred based upon facts. Now, some of you are going to say, Aha, so it was, it was God's foreknowledge that caused him to predestine. No. The Bible is clear here. Before either of them either did good or bad, God said, Jacob will be my man. This is what the Word says. See, here's the, here's the thing that I believe with all my heart, that God, listen to me, that the, the text here is not saying that God hated Esau before he did what he did, Brother Dan. The word hated here is that God was going to pour out his righteous anger against a man who was wicked and would not turn back to him. 
God presented Esau with the same opportunity that he, he, uh, he pointed to Jacob in the fact that, that he was God and he could love him. He would not certainly have the same opportunities because God determined that through Jacob that there would be this guy by the name of Judah who would come and then the Messiah would come from him. That was God's plan. You can't get around. It's his sovereignty. But at the same time, Esau had the free will. And the Bible says that he sold his birthright for a bowl of lentil soup. The writer of Hebrews said this, that when he lost the birthright, he had great sorrow in his heart, but he found no room for repentance. Sovereignty of God, the choice of man. It is a holy tension. At the same time he's sovereign, he is also a God that if you will repent, will take the blood of his son Jesus Christ and cleanse you from all your sins. You say, preacher, that is about the simplest and the childish illustration and definition and description I've ever heard. Praise God. I will leave it for the dead seminaries and the dead churches that never baptize anybody to go so deep that they can't get their head above the waters of the mess. You say, preacher, so what are you telling me? Now watch this. God loves people. That's why he came. Isn't it true? Secondly, God saves people from a life of hell and eternity. I don't. Number three, God saves everyone who genuinely asks to be saved. He does. And lastly and finally, now watch this. God saves people who hear and submit to the gospel. That's what he does. So what does Keith do? Now watch this. God, right, it has saved me to lead others to His saving truth. That's the mission of God. Thank you for taking the time to find God's answers to life's greatest issues. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.